Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to this special episode of the Shuddhasha Free Thought Podcast. Today, we're in conversation with one of the special editors for our issue on body politics. Please remember to check out the website on www.shuddhasha.com to find all the issues and all the essays within the issues. In conversation today, we have Drew Davis, a recent Furman alumni who is currently a freelance writer and is enjoying recalibrating his life in the midst of a pandemic. His work centers around introspection, trauma, and identity politics. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, we want to get straight into this. Uh, so we're talking about the body politics issue. Um, and it was a really interesting issue for Shudtashar because it was quite um, a broad theme compared to some of the previous ones that we've done. Could you walk us through how you actually came up with the topic and what drew you to it? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I think for me, um, I think Shadow Hashar has such a broad demographic. And so I thought the issue naturally lended itself to it. I think for me, just as a Black queer man in America, um, I'm constantly thinking about body politics of how... Um, things are marketed towards me, how I market myself towards other people and just like the implications of that. So um, it's just like a really natural um, transition of topic for me. So it sounds pretty organic, which makes, um, which I think adds um, a layer of understanding to how there was a really nice mix of analytical pieces, but also some really powerful testimonials. Um, So some of this is stuff I'm aware of being on on the trail board myself but could you talk us through how you approach different writers for this yeah um so for me um first off I think testimonials are by far just the easiest thing for me to recruit people with uh just being like 23 on Instagram etc cetera, etc cetera. I thought it was very uh, natural to ask uh, certain people I know, certain people follow on Instagram, um, to ask them, hey, you know, um, can you pitch in for this issue? I think for me, um, people were very open and receptive to it, um, which made it for a very easy process, especially for editing. Yeah, and, and I do think the testimonials made it really powerful as a reader as well. Um, I think it makes a nice addition i won't say change because we did have analytical pieces as well but it makes a nice addition to read some more personal stuff and it's funny that you say that because on my end um because i was recruiting so many testimonials i was like oh i wish i had more um analytical people to recruit or like uh more academics um that's just not really my lane or vibe um but i'm really thankful that you guys brought in more analytical pieces um so talking from the perspective of someone for whom this was a very personal issue, um, how how did you kind of approach the editing of this? Because I feel like there's sometimes this understanding that editing needs to be pretty objective and detached. Um, and that's obviously a very difficult thing to achieve when the issue is so personal. So how, how did, how did you, I mean, do you agree with that first of all? And um, how did you then kind of approach that? Yeah, I think that's a, I agree. I think in the sense when you think of editor, you think of more like uh, you're detached, um, very much focused on grammar, making sure things are concise. 
Um, I still focus on those things, but I think a good testimonial is just about, uh, is it visceral? Do you feel something from this? Does this resonate? Does it feel authentic? Um, and when it has those properties, then we can go from there and we can refine grammar, structure, et cetera. So as long as you feel it, um, as long as it's um, a piece that is strong in the sense where I know like this person really resonates, they really tried, um, then we can go from there. I think it'll be a good piece. So um, in terms of recruiting folks, um, and, and, I, and I do say this with a bit of experience with one of the previous issues, there's an interesting experience where when you're telling people about a theme, um, the kind of more focused the theme is, um, it, it sometimes makes it easier to pitch because you're giving them a very specific thing to look at. But you also sometimes lose out on some people who might want to approach the theme from a slightly different perspective, but then think that your pitch is too narrow. Yes. So with something like body politics, which is really broad, um, how did you kind of, like, what was your approach of making sure that you felt that a piece was the right fit for body politics? Because, you know, the, we, we did an LGBTQIA issue, and there are some pieces in this which are around queerness. So what, what made it, as an example, so what made it right for the body politics issue? Mm, um, for me, I just wanted to feel, so obviously what you just said is like, this is a broad issue, completely agree. So it being a broad issue, I think we want to tackle as many uh, different identities as possible. So for me to include like queerness, uh, a trans person, non-binary person, um, disabled, um, Black, I really thought that um, those could shed a light. I thought um, it was very easy to get people to um, pitch. I mean, not to pitch, but to uh, write for us. Yeah, I thought it was easy, honestly. I think um, especially using the mode of Instagram, because for me, when I recruit, um, I mostly use Instagram, which is has its ups and downs, I should say. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty easy. It's interesting you mentioned Instagram because I think as a publishing platform, um, certainly when Shudashur started back in the 90s, it was it was a purely physical press, uh, printing press. And of course, it's evolved now into an online platform. And it's really interesting to see how platforms that were traditionally... Um, very specific in its medium are now reaching out through different platforms as well and reaching out through different like different social media apps um, but Instagram's an interesting one because it's really visual and I feel like body politics has an interesting link with with that visual connection um, did did that I mean was was that part of why it was Instagram or is it just because you know that's that's the social media of your choice oh um Primarily, it's the social media of my choice. Um, but no, like, I myself am a very visual person. Um, I think when attaching body politics to Instagram, I think everyone just immediately relates to it. I think everyone understands. And I think there are um, very real implications of Instagram with body politics that um, people relate to and people resonate with. And so people jump at the chance to uh, talk about that. 
Um, I think it's very interesting for me being just a Gen Z person. And then uh, with Shada Hashar, yeah, I don't feel like you guys, well, I don't feel like we utilize Instagram enough, interestingly enough, when I think it could uh, really be used as a mode to um, expand our audience. So, yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. And I'm sure that's one that we'll probably very hopefully, very thoughtfully reflect on because you're absolutely right. It's um, media is changing. The media landscape is changing. And in some ways it's becoming much more multi-platform and diverse. Um, On the topic of images, um, the, the body politics issue, certainly compared to some of the previous ones that we've had, seem to have a lot more personal images as well. So you usually would have a cover image for... Um, the pieces that would be included in issues but oftentimes they would be sort of abstract images that would connect to the theme um, whereas this one had a lot more personal images I mean I know that there are a couple of pieces where the contributors seem to have included images um, related to what they were talking about right. how did you kind of negotiate that and you know what 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 did what do you think the contributors felt about it? Because I feel like sometimes there's a level of vulnerability involved when sharing images of self. So how did how did you balance that? Mm. I think when you share anything, especially online, because it's there forever, I think it's important to build some level of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we build that level of trust, for me, I think it's just being real, being myself. Um, showing them like, oh, like, you know, I'm being vulnerable in this uh, space too. I mm-hmm. think it, it, it becomes really comfortable and um, organic. Um, it's funny that you said it because I know for like Darius, um, for their piece, Food for the Soul, um, they were getting on me about like, uh, they were very passionate about how they wanted to be marketed, um, their editing and just like being very hands-on. So that just mm-hmm. immediately reminded me. So yeah, people um, don't take it as a joke. It's very serious. So yeah, <laughs> a little bit of pressure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it's important to, to be able to recognize that as well. Um, I know that sometimes as well, from, from my experience of kind of reading different websites and looking at different platforms that talk about things, body politics is one of those topics that can come across as a bit of a buzzword sometimes. Um, where people do an issue or a, a special essay or whatever. And it sometimes seems like they're tapping into a trend. Um, and when we're doing special issues, you know, there's, there's always that risk as well of, okay, so we've done this issue now. Um, let's go on to the next one and not so much moving on from it because we do try to promote issues try to keep them constantly in in the conversation through things like podcast but with something like body politics where do you think um where do you think the next steps are i mean how do we keep a conversation about this going in a meaningful way i love that you brought that up because i think all the time body politics is just a trend where um, it gives people not an excuse, but an excuse to um, show off their body or just talk about the insecurities. And then people uh, don't necessarily have the 
right to think critically about it. That's how I feel a lot mm-hmm. of times when we talk about body politics and social media. Like, for example, like someone can post like a half naked picture and then like have a hashtag body positivity. And then um, we aren't given the space to think critically about it. So with that being said, to answer your question, I think um, body politics, I think the conversation and I think um, Marta Breen, when she talked about it's time to ditch the male gaze on her article, she uh, touched on it really eloquently in the sense where um, everything is marketed to, um, to us, um, whether it be from fashion, media, mm-hmm. um, Instagram, what do we like, um, visual, etc. So with that being said, I think body politics is about thinking critically about how we interpret ourselves and other people. I think that's really important. And um, that point of what you said about being able to engage with it critically I mean, um, I when you were talking about what drew you to the topic, I mean, I resonated really heavily with that as a queer man of color myself, um, queer South Asian. And there's this really strange aspect of, you know, being told to celebrate yourself and being told to very, right. be very unapologetically um, ha- like celebratory and, and happy with, with yourself and your skin. But sometimes that positivity just goes, well, just be happy, but it doesn't actually go into why we need that conversation in the first place right and also um and this is just kind of like uh veering off into just like sexual liberation and just that whole um gambit of like what that entails but what you're saying why does have to celebrate my body have to include me posting half naked pictures um Like, I think we should very much think critically of the implications um, that are being said when we, like, when this is the popular form of um, being sexually liberated, and especially when we think about um, being a young person of coming of age, um, what, why does adulthood and um, being sexually liberated have to be me um, being so open with my sexuality? It's just, it's a lot. It's multifaceted, yeah. Yeah, and it, it can be very... And, and and sometimes it works for people, but the, the, the point is that it's, you know, it's quite an intimate and, and personal experience. Absolutely. And and it's it, it gets really unfair and stressful when suddenly something that's supposed to be quite so personal. Um, and for a lot of people who don't come from marginalized identities, for whom they get that choice to make it as personal as they like, when there's suddenly an expectation around that. Right. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I think it's um oh this is this is fun. I, I never really get a chance to. <laughs> uh, but I, I think what what drew me to kind of a lot of what the body politics issue um was able to say with a lot of people, um, is that when when you're coming from a marginalized perspective, like again, speaking as a queer South Asian, but also I say that speaking as a queer South Asian living in the UK, so I'm queer South Asian and an immigrant. That's interesting. There's sometimes this expectation to behave in a certain way that fits being queer and of color and and an immigrant. It's just like, oh, you need to you need to be particularly um, for lack of a better word, you need to be particularly exotic about it. Do you feel that and pressure? Sometimes. Um, I've 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 lived in this country long enough now to 
really not care. Okay. But certainly when I was first coming to terms with it, there was definitely that aspect um, where I had to, to almost perform my identity in some ways. And it's really interesting to kind of look back at my younger self where I almost felt like I had to to get that validation whereas now I don't really care and I would you know obviously like if I was able to go back in time and give my younger self advice it would just be you know push back and just be you Um, oh god yeah absolutely but it's interesting to see how much of the testimonials seemed to have even though that wasn't necessarily the angle that the contributors initially approached it with, I couldn't help but notice that that felt like a common thread where um, a lot of body politics seems to be tied into what we're expected to be versus who we want to be or even just exploring who we want to be. Um, Yes, but in conjunction with that, how we also want to be perceived. Going back to what you were talking about, just like the performance, especially um, dealing with queerness. Um, I remember just like being in my early, well, I'm still in my early 20s. I feel old now, Um, just graduated. But um, just like, just hopping on like the club scene as a gay man and just Mm -hmm. the the performance and the dance of being desired and wanting to be perceived as desirable. um, It's a lot. It's a constant battle of, how do you want to be perceived but also how do you want to be respected i think a lot of the times um just for example i know for me um even yesterday i went to the club um i have my vaccinations thank god but um (laughs) (laughs) but just uh the normalization of just like people touching you without your permission um and Mm -hmm. then you're being expected to perform like oh that's perfectly okay when no you're a stranger touching me leave me alone so think about that all the time yeah like you know like that's normal like someone can we curse on here um, we're gonna try to avoid cursing, but okay. I, uh, Asking for a yeah. before I do it. Um, like someone touching, <laughs> someone touching like your your butt, and you're like, no, like you're not supposed to do that. That is not okay. Um, but there's a certain expectation, like, oh, um, you know, we're all guys. We're at a club. You know, it's perfectly fine. It's normal, etc. So, yeah. yeah, you're no, you're that that really, really is such a frustrating experience, and it's almost like, um. I think it's there's this understanding almost that when you're if it it's as if when you're in a space um that is supposed to be kind of a celebratory and almost like a safe space for being yourself people forget that that means having like respect for a self and respect for bodily autonomy and stuff and it's just like oh we're here so everything's fine it's like no we're that that's not quite how this works it's so interesting that you described a club to me as a safe space I mean, it's, it's it's weird to think of it that way, and and yet there's aspects of it that that would probably come through that way, and then aspects that wouldn't. Well, actually, you know what? I, I, this is this is probably tangential, but I mean, it's it's a question on body politics. But I, I do actually have to ask, um, what is that experience like in the states? Because something with the issue that came out was different international perspectives and how different people in different parts of the world have a very subjective view of, of maybe the same experience. So what what about a club would or wouldn't be a safe space for you? 
Um, I think in, intrinsically a club isn't meant to be a safe space. I think it's supposed to be a space for uh, men to more or less quote unquote hunt for um, the people they find desirable and pick them up. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, I think I think a club can be a fun microcosm for just like finding out um, how do you maneuver in these spaces of being desired and being desired bull mm-hmm. etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it's about tapping into like um how do you navigate men and masculinity and all that mm-hmm. uh muddled stuff for me personally um i don't view clubs as a safe space at all now like even yeah. just um you walk into a space of people and it can be anxiety inducing to see everyone looking at you or you feel like everyone's mm-hmm. looking at you um people approaching you it's a lot well, first of all, thanks for sharing that and, and being open about that. I guess as soon as you said that, I realized that a club in and of itself wouldn't be a safe space. It's almost how the club's described. So like, just a general club, you're absolutely right, wouldn't be. A gay club would feel slightly safer in terms yeah. not 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 so much in terms of it actually being a full safe space. Oh, no, yeah, you're right, talking about like, like, oh, you can make out with the guy and like, you don't have to worry about getting assaulted hopefully um right, yeah yeah it's well i just think it's normalized queer behavior and like a like a little small space but other than that no it's pretty much the same old same old yeah, <laughs> yeah. no I, and i think you're right and, and i think actually this this pulls this pulls us interestingly to one of the pieces um that we had from a contributor about um described it really beautifully as the aporia of identities and kind of how the same body can inhabit multiple and, and often the same body does inhabit multiple identities. And um, what what we're kind of talking about now seems to be that the idea of, of, of our queer desires and expectations may have a slightly safer way of expressing itself, but then there's added stress. I mean, again, I, I think maybe you can relate to this, but there's that added layer of, of particularly if you're a person of color, that added layer of fetishization in in in, in queer clubs, um, especially if it's not like a a majoritively queer of color club, because um, you do sometimes have those, and those are great. But it's Grab it's that space of like white men, yeah. But yeah, but it's 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 exactly that, isn't it? It's one part of your identity may then get that safety to be itself, but then there's another part that suddenly comes into focus in really uncomfortable ways. Um, yes and no. I think um, for anybody who, I mean, everyone has you know, like a multitude of identities, but I think um, specifically for people who are marginalized um, two or more ways, um, for example, just taking myself, um, when I'm in a space where I'm in a club full of majority white men, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It can be powerful to utilize, oh, I'm Black and gay, um, and you want me, but you can't have me. There's power to be said in that and to be exploring that. Um, have you ever seen, sorry, just as a random thought, but it's still in contingent with what we're talking about. Have you ever seen um, Lovecraft Country? On from HBO? I have not, but I have heard nothing but amazing things about it, but I have not. 
can't say the same, but um, there is this motif in the uh, show. Um, there's this character, she's a mom, and long story short, just the footnotes version, she got picked up by this uh, alien, and she was given the ability to uh, explore like multiple lives throughout time. Um, mm-hmm. So throughout the show, there's just this motif of who are you outside of your... Um, physical identity so like right. uh, for instance like who is she outside of just being a black woman being a mom etc cetera, etc cetera, her having the space to explore those things so for me i think about that all the time especially just in instances around desirability who am i outside of being black uh being a man um being perceived by men like who am i as a spiritual being um a cerebral being etc cetera, etc cetera. but i guess that thing as well is it sometimes you can't separate it. The different parts of our identity sometimes come to the forefront in different contexts as well, I guess. Right. So it's not just it's not just that holistic understanding of, of who am I, but also which parts of me are relevant when. I know that's a really muddled way of saying it, but No, I agree, but yeah. And I think that's again one of the reasons why the body politics issue is so exciting. <laughs> um, right. because it's reminding us, hopefully, reminding us from multiple perspectives that there are different parts of us that speak out. Right. And also, um, I think it's very exciting for us to use body politics for an issue because I think academia, um, it, well, specifically my experience in academia, I think we like to separate um, how aesthetics play a huge part in academia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... I just thought it was very interesting when you guys just brought on like more analytical um, academics to like talk about this. I really appreciated it too. Oh, that's that's really great to hear from from like from an internal perspective as well because um, you know we, we should always we should always strive to improve uh, on what we're doing. Um, I know we've talked a bit about some of the pieces and you know we've kind of highlighted a handful, um, but. Are there a couple more that you might want to want to highlight? I mean, were, were there any pieces, for instance, that gave you a different perspective? Because again, what really impressed me was the global reach of this. Absolutely. And there were certain, and there were certainly pieces I read where I went, "Oh, I had never thought about this issue." Um, oh. Certain... oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, but yeah, it, uh, it was just yeah. I, there, there are points where I read it and I just went, I wouldn't I didn't think about it from that perspective so as as the editor were there were there points where you just went oh wow this is completely new to me yes um when I was editing and then there's me um by Shiataz um excuse me if I'm saying their name incorrectly I'm trying my best I'm so sorry but the piece (laughs) and then there's me um I was like this is phenomenal I've never uh thought of because, you know, you were saying, like, body politics is such a broad uh, spectrum mm-hmm. of topic. Mm-hmm. But then when I was like, oh, I never would have even thought about uh, just, like, a Muslim international perspective in this issue. And I'm so glad we got one. I'm like, actually, that was so needed. Um, but just listening to their experience and just um, I really love their tone. It was... Mm-hmm. Just the fact that, um, and I can relate to this too when I write, but just like a very matter of fact tone when this is obviously just like a huge traumatic um, some occurrence. Like um, I remember when they were describing how they were uh, going through the process of just like um, 
going through the states. I remember they were saying they were in the airport and just like having to take uh, their hijab off, and then also just like the constant, um, not even microaggression, just aggressions from their uh, mm-hmm. contemporaries in school. It was just a lot. It was so good. I loved it. Yeah, and and again, that whole thing of kind of different types of aggression from from different contemporaries as well. And it's it's how, how do you how do you grapple with that? And I guess what's powerful about an issue like this, and and the hope with an issue like this is it 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 allows readers who don't have those experiences to then get a level of empathy. Um. Hopefully on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have my qualms about that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think testimonials in the foundational sense is just like a space of just like a cathartic release for the person writing them. Yeah. Um, for me, I like to approach it as that and nothing more because I think that's just much more safe. Um, I think when we dive into the waters of, oh, this is a testimony and hopefully it can uh, shed some light and hopefully someone could change from it. I think that's asking a bit too much from the writer. Sure. Um, yeah. I, and also I think, um, but also this is just a, depends on the audience. I think if an audience member comes into a piece and they want to learn, they want to change, then they absolutely can be moved by a piece. But if they aren't, mm-hmm in that mindset, then I don't really think a testimony will change anything. But that's just my personal opinion. I think that's really important for us to recognize as well, because I guess with with um, our traditional readership in Shudtashar, um, we've we've had a lot of people who kind of come in with that goal of, of getting a new experience. But I think actually you, you're very right. We need to, uh, we need to be mindful of how we place those expectations and i think what you've said about the um the responsibility and the respect for the contributors i think you're spot on it's it's what we're able to give to them that maybe should be at the, and 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 to be honest probably does and maybe i was just being overly optimistic but it's it's one of those days um <laughs> it's one of those days but no you're you're right i think it's it's really important for us to be able to reflect on that as well. Right. And I mean, I get this is a publication and at the end of the day, we are trying to market something, but I think writing, the helm of writing is just about centering the writer and their experience. And hopefully mm-hmm. um, it touches someone, nothing else, nothing more. Yeah. Any Anything else that happens would be, a wonderful bonus, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Um, something that has been a common conversation in in our recent podcasts has been, uh, regardless of the theme, regardless of who we've spoken to, has been the fact that the pandemic has kind of, in some ways, reorganized the ways that we connect with people. Um, and particularly the increased move towards online spaces and online ways of reaching out to people. Um, and again, body politic is an interesting, 
example of that because you're right um i mean you know conversations that we've had through this has been about aesthetics and, and different platforms and different ways of of being vulnerable and sharing ourselves but i do have to ask do you think that pitching this and editing this and and compiling this in a time where people have perhaps been affected by something like a pandemic do you feel like that's um, even if it wasn't explicit, if that's given the issue um, some sort of added layer? Um, that's a great question. I never thought of it um, that way. Hmm. I mean, from a purely logistical perspective, I know that there have been folks who've just gone, I wouldn't have normally had time to write, but right. I do now. <laughs> Well, yeah, from a logistical standpoint, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think everyone, especially like just like the phrase like hot boy, hot girl summer, I think everyone is just uh, ready to burst out the seams and just like have mm -hmm. connections with people again, especially like, physically. Um, so I think people were much uh, more open to share themselves. Um, but also for me, I just remember growing up and, again, just being a Gen Z and, like, literally growing up on the internet, just uh, having, mm -hmm. like, Tumblr, um, Instagram later on in life, um, just being a very visual person. Um, I just thought it was very natural to me. But um, COVID could, I, I think COVID definitely changed things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And who who knows how much further it will and whether some of those changes will be here to stay or not. Hopefully some of the positive ones will. But again, like I said, one of those days, I'm just being optimistic today. <laughs> um, you know, so oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say <laughs> that I think it's very interesting when we think about like COVID in terms of our bodies and just how we respect people and mm -hmm. just how um, I live in the South. I live in South Carolina currently and just like the rollback of um, all the mandates and people who showing up to my job and they don't have to wear a mask and people are just like in your personal space um that just makes me think about the issue a lot and just how we uh respect other people's bodies that's really interesting because again experiences here in the uk would be different i'm sure listeners listening in from other parts of the world would have a very different experience of that i know for a fact our contributors would um thinking of some of our contributors who wrote from South Asia, for instance, I mean, the, the, the experience of COVID right now, particularly the bodily experience of COVID are so horrific right now in South Asia. Um, and it's, it's, it's a sobering reminder, I guess, of how subjectivity can really create very specific obstacles and very specific challenges. But I guess that was, in some ways, uh, a good piece of conversation that came out of this issue. And I hope that that's something, again, for readers who are listening to this podcast, we hope that's something maybe you might have picked up on, but you know, um, it's, 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 uh, I'm losing my train of thought, but I guess it's just a sobering reminder of how um, this difficult individual challenges can be. Yeah. Yeah. It's I remember uh, a couple of months back, I lived in Detroit and just how um, everything, I was a server, I was still in college at the time and 
Um, I was wearing a mask and like, it just was no games. We had a curfew and everything. And then just to come back home to South Carolina and like, no one's wearing a mask. Everyone's out. It was just a totally different reality. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we're coming to the close of, of the podcast um, now. Um, what we, again, always like to say is that this is, the ending of, of the podcast, not the ending of the conversation. Hopefully what this is, is the beginning like yeah, of a conversation. Uh, because, I mean, to be honest, I mean, how on earth in, in about 40 minutes can you have a comprehensive conversation about body politics? You can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, from, I, I guess, as a final question, like where, if, if there was... Um, a chance to revisit this issue or maybe do a follow-up issue what are maybe some perspectives you'd love to see included next time Ooh, that's a great question my wish list to kind of end on i would love to hear about um and i wish we could have had um this in this issue but you know uh academia is a beast that i'd don't want to be a part of so I don't really know the, like uh, the experience of that but I would really love to um, have a testimonial about um, a female well a woman's um, professor's experience just in, like academia and just um, how she dresses affects um, the way people treat her um, maybe like the road to tenure um, as a woman just that experience or just as a queer person um really interesting like academic things i would just love to combine aesthetics and academia because i don't think that's talked about enough at all that is fascinating and that's but i think as a role in my career to be in jeopardy so like no yeah (laughs) (laughs) well who knows maybe maybe if we get a chance to revisit this um that could be something but that's really great and obviously for any for any listeners who may feel that they want to get in touch and share some of their experiences please do that would be amazing please yes <laughs> yeah but thank you so much and really grateful for the issue um some really powerful pieces in there um i personally um i mean i i learned a lot from it so it was really great to see that yeah thank you for your time and thank you for the great combo Thank you for tuning in, dear listeners. As always, please remember to check out our website, www.shuddhashort.com, for a list of all of our podcasts. Until next time.